Hey, this is The Last Coffee House. This is the Stories of Ernest Hemingway, number 92 on the ranked list of 100 greatest works of literature of all time. It was published, or at least some of these were published. The complete work, I don't know when the complete one was. 1961, I think, was when he died. So they've written between 1899 and 1961. Oh, this particular complete collection was published in 1987, so I did write it down, all right. So Hemingway, one story I know about him was that the poet Wallace Stevens, fantastic poet, by the way, punched him at a party. <laughs> Just hauled off and punched him. Uh, I think it was a little bit of a literary envy as opposed to real enmity. But Hemingway kicked his ass, <laughs> sat him down, and forced him to have a drink with him. Is that that kind of guy? So some analysis. We've got this from uh, Paul Davis in the Washington Times. He said, like his novels, the interesting and insightful stories were about crime, hunting, fishing, boxing, bullfighting, rugged individualism, grace under pressure, and love and war. So those are a lot of the ideas, themes, kinds of things that happen in these stories. And there are a lot of them. Some criticism same thing from Davis. It was not until a few years later that I discovered his short stories, which were even more powerful than his great novels. Uh, he liked the short stories more than the novels. I think that's a tad ridiculous. I mean, For Whom the Bell Tolls, The Farewell to Arms, there are some, in uh, there's some incredible work in there that I wouldn't give up because you get to really ruminate in these. And as I'll get into, I'll explain. Anyway, some thoughts. I remember one on a mountain uh, where they were really cold and a guy was like stoically going through his life with his wife there. And this one in particular, I don't know how much I want to spoil about any of these, but like I said, there are a lot of them in there. But this one in particular, he has like gangrene. I think he's he's dying. And they're stuck on the, on a mountain. They were hiking up. It's like, I don't do a lot of mountain climbing like that. Like Kilimanjaro, that's a mountain, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was called something about Kilimanjaro. But they were stuck up on the mountain, so he's going through all these things, and, and he's got kind of a... They don't have a great relationship. It's like his third wife or something like that, and their interaction shows the severity and the harshness, just the bitterness about life and the, the way it's ending and all that that sort of thing between them. Uh, there's one about Jesus, I think. I think I remember this. I read these a while ago. It was about Jesus, but it was like chronicling the last days of Jesus, which was an interesting outlier. There was one about fishing that I remember all the the images were really vivid in the fishing one. Uh, there was one really early on that was about a safari that was just enjoyable. <laughs> it was really kind of masculine storytelling that was just enjoyable to to read into. And there's a kind of there's a kind of background stoicism and cynicism to all of the characters in the storytelling. I don't know how to explain it. There's a, there's a clear baseline throughout the the entirety, you know, you get a baseline, there's an anchor from the style for any kind of topic that he goes into that's very clear when it comes to Hemingway. And obviously the language is so clean and so easy to read. And it's not so easy to read because it's dumbed down. It's that next level. I'm sure you've heard it described before. It's that next level of incredible refinement that creates this clarity. It's the, the next step beyond just being verbose for the sake of being verbose or just writing florid language for the sake of florid language. It's that next step that you're cleaning all that stuff up, creating your own style, and everybody describes it as a masculine style that he writes. And it's so nice to read, especially if you've read something, been reading something like Dostoevsky or something that's that's kind of convoluted and, and a little too heavy. <laughs> There are too many words. You need an editor. It's, it's really nice. And uh, funnily enough, is that a word? <laughs> Uh, Hemingway, I remember he trashed uh, the writing of Dostoevsky. Not the ideas behind it or the storytelling or anything like that, but the actual prose he trashed in A Movable Feast. So it's it's 
funny that I use that as a comparison. But one thing, yeah, it, it doesn't have enough range in the writing in the short stories. You know, I just got done reading Marquez's collection, Leaf Storm, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. And there was, there was a lot of range in his writing, even though it's all magical realism. There's a lot of range in it. And this is not a lot of range. It's not the kind of prose that you can binge read. You know, it's not the Netflix of, of prose. It's the kind that you'll jump into, read a story and jump out of and go to something else. But it's still, I mean, it's Hemingway. It contains my, this particular collection, well, it has all of them, so. <laughs> but this one contains my favorite short story of all time, A Clean, Well-Lighted Place, which is beautiful and a wonderful distillation of pretty much everything you could possibly think about anything. Some quotes to get some ideas, and these are all from random stories, so they're not going to be related to each other, but they're going to have some ideas. Quote, as the car moved slowly across the open space toward the island of brushy trees that ran in a tongue of foliage along a dry water course that cut the open swale, Macomber felt his heart pounding and his mouth was dry again, but it was excitement, not fear. End quote. So I love the tongue of foliage, but it's that, it's that, the run-on... <laughs> He'll use a lot of ands. He'll just keep a sentence going and keep adding to it as he's going along. It's very deliberately and particularly structured so that it's not a run-on, so that it doesn't get boring as a sentence. It's, it's still fun to, to read. Another quote, Wilson looked at her with his flat blue eyes. I'm through now, he said. I was a little angry. I'd begun to like your husband. Oh, please stop, she said. Please stop it. That's better, Wilson said. Please is much better. Now, I'll stop. it's from an early story, but it was, uh, it's one of those very interesting exchanges. Like I said, there's always some kind of a cynicism in the background. <laughs> it's like this perpetual cynicism that's always there. It could just be nihilism or it could just be nihilism or uh, I don't think ennui is enough for it. That's not direct enough or harsh enough. <laughs> But it could just be something like that. But it's always in the background when you're reading the short stories, at least, and Hemingway probably in general. Another quote. That was where they walked up the sleigh-smooth, urine-yellowed road along the river with the steep pine hills, skis heavy on the shoulder, and where they ran that great run down the glacier above the Madliner Haas. The snow as smooth to see as cake frosting, as light as powder, and he remembered the noiseless rush the speed made as you dropped down like a bird. I mean, that's why that guy is where he is in the canon. Of course, he famously... Ate a shotgun. I didn't eat it, but uh, he took a shotgun to the face. His own doing when he was he was in his sixties, late sixties, something like that. But other people just can't do that kind of thing. It was such a clean sentence. It was such a creative way to describe it. And he didn't have to. It wasn't jagged. There were no hard edges in that. He just went right through it and loved every moment of it. <laughs> Another quote, the next year came, the inflation and the money he had made the year before was not enough to buy supplies to open the hotel, and he hanged himself. I think I hit the word hang too hard there. The beauty in that sentence is that it so <laughs> treats that moment so pallidly. It, it doesn't linger on it. It doesn't emphasize it. It just hits it. And there you go. And I don't remember the context of the whole story. I just remember that stuck out. Once a man's married, he's absolutely bitched, Bill went on. He hasn't got anything more. Nothing. Not a damn thing. He's done for. You've seen the guys that get married. Not sure. So I pulled that one out. Not sure if I was pulling it out for the politics or the or the writing style. Maybe a little more politics. America. Oh, another one. This one's just the. This is something that often happens in Hemingway stories, where you have this kind of binary where these things play off of each other. Like early in the story, it says Americans make the best husbands, and this lady that's just going on about her kids and people getting married to Americans and that kind of thing. And then at the end, after they talk all about their relationships, it's, it ends, we were returning to Paris to set up separate residences. So it's got that kind of a, a balance where it works off of itself like that in a cynical way. 
And finally, no, hold on. Uh, oh, this one's from my favorite story. It was late and everyone had left the cafe except an old man who sat in the shadow the leaves of the tree had made against the electric light. That's the first sentence in the story, a clean, well-lighted place. And I'm still, I can't wait. At some point, I'm going to either a French or an Italian cafe or a Spanish cafe. <laughs> and I'm going to sit outside at dusk. It's nearing dusk anyway, and I'm going to read that story. And it's going to be a, an incredibly important, illuminating experience, I'm sure. Meaning in life. Quote, by this time I was wishing I had not stopped into Chicote's, but had gone straight on home where you could change your clothes and be dry and have a drink in comfort on the bed with your feet up. And I was tired of looking at both of these young people. Life is very short and ugly women are very long and sitting there at the table, I decided that even though I was a writer and supposed to have an insatiable curiosity about all sorts of people, I did not really care to know whether these two were married or what they saw in each other or what their politics were or whether he had a little money or she had a little money or anything about them. I decided they must be in the radio. Anytime you saw really strange looking civilians in Madrid, they were always in the radio. So to say something, I raised my voice above the noise and asked, you in the radio? We are, the girl said. So that was that. They were in the radio. <laughs> that would, yeah, it just cracked me up. Uh, <laughs> ugly girls are long. <laughs> We are. <laughs> so that was that. They were in the radio. Recommendation, absolutely. Everybody on the planet needs to uh, read these. Like I said, pepper them in. They're not binge reading like some short stories are. Like I would say, I don't know. I, I mean, Marquez kind of binge reading. Joyce Carol Oates is another one who's kind of worth binge reading. But these are more mix them in. Just mix them in with other sorts of reading that you do to get a kind of cleanliness and a clarity to your reading and then go back to the more convoluted stuff that aren't as finely pruned. Uh, but that's that. All right. This is the last coffee house. Thanks. Bye. Bye.